0: We all owe them, but very few of us know them. They are the men and women of our military and first responder communities. And these are their stories. American Warrior Radio is on the air.
1: Welcome to American Warrior Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Ben Bueller garcia We're coming to you from the 4 Patriots studio. At 4 Patriots, they champion freedom and self-reliance and give your family the tools to do so. Visit FourPatriots.com. That's the numeral 4, Patriots.com. And don't forget to use the code WARRIOR for a 10% discount on your first order. I'm entering my sixth decade on the planet, and I'll tell you, I grew up pre-cell phone, pre-cable TV, and pre-personal computers. I was raised overseas, so we didn't even get a TV or a landline until 1970. I would not consider myself part of the video gaming generation. However, in preparation for today's program, I decided to check my Steam client, which stores my video games. Don't tell Laura this, but it turns out I've spent thousands of hours building castles, fighting zombies, and flying A-10 combat missions. For generations after mine, online gaming is undeniably part of their lifestyle and their culture. The value of the U.S. gaming market in the U.S. estimated at $97.6 billion, with a B, with hardware revenue racking up another $230 million per month. A while back, we received a press release from a company called Or System about a new first-person shooter that would feature actual warriors on their actual missions. Pretty cool. But honestly, my first impression was, that's... Kind of usury and borderline disrespectful, but I did more research on their program. With them on the front lines is so much more than a video game. I play games to decompress, to escape the pressures of a real world for an hour or so. What if a first-person video game could actually serve a much higher therapeutic purpose? Joining us to tell that story is Sean Pietz. He's the Chief Operating Officer of Or Systems and a Special Forces veteran. Sean, welcome to American Warrior Radio. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. Sean, a little bit about you. You spent 28 years, I think, in the military, 23 of those years in Army Special Operations. So does that mean you're an alumni of Pineland University? <laughs> yes, sir. I am a proud, of, proud alumni of Pineland University. That means you were a Green Beret. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, were you start off as a medic in the Green Berets, or were you just a, a regular Army medic? And how did you go from where you were into the Special Forces program?
0: When I entered the Army, initially, I was actually a truck driver. I was stationed over in Germany. I was in heaven when I joined the Army. They let me sleep late, fed me three times a day, and really didn't work me all that much. I I got out uh, into the big world, you know, in Germany uh, to begin with, and um, I realized then that I'd made a horrible mistake in becoming a truck driver. I found a, a program back then called the BEAR program, bonus enlistment and recruiting program. Anyway, they said, "Hey, we're going to give you eighteen thousand dollars if you want to be a Green Beret." I said, "That sounds pretty cool to me," and uh, left for Fort Bragg. Went through selection in '92, got selected, uh, went to Germany, cleared, and I PCS to Fort Bragg, and that's where they kept me. So initially, I was a medic for about fourteen years, and then uh, once you start reading the tea leaves about retirement and E9 versus CW4, it became apparent to me that my career had to change. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. I uh, went to war and officer school at that point and, and basically went back to the team that I came from. Okay, looking at your LinkedIn profile,
1: Sean, it said you trained foreign soldiers in eight different countries, and there's probably some places you can't put on your resume as well.
0: Yeah. um, uh, Mostly what Special Forces does is uh, we teach. And so pre-9-11, a lot of our stuff encompassed going to foreign countries and training their soldiers. And so uh, a lot of countries in Africa uh, that I've been to love, love the continent of Africa, love the soldiers over there. They're, they're really, they're great people. Uh, they're hard workers. And, and man, they just ate up everything that we had to teach them. And, and they employed that, you know, throughout the years in several fashions. But weren't teachers first, is really what that comes to. And I know that doesn't really fit with today's billing, you know, uh, bearded guys, you know, kits running around doing dastardly deeds. But... At its heart, Special Forces is actually uh, a teaching element. Talking about Dashley Deeds, one of the more
1: enjoyable interviews I ever had was with a Green Beret by the name of Frank Antonorty, and we were kind of joking around about whether Jade Helm was a conspiracy to, you know, take over the world. And he was describing some of the Pineland exercises that you all did. And in one case, he and his, uh, I don't know if you call him Battle Buddy, but he and the other Green Beret were just starving. So they grabbed a couple of the farmer's chickens down there and, and cooked them for dinner. Well, then there was actually the paperwork to where the DOD had to reimburse that farmer for those two chickens. So, uh, no matter what, no matter how good you are, no matter how special an operator you are, don't don't forget the paperwork. Now, Sean, <laughs> I looked a little bit into RE Systems. Many of the principals there are veterans themselves as well. Correct? Yes, sir. That's correct.
0: Uh, so, myself, uh, I'm the COO. Lucas Hamrick is our CEO. Joe uh, Havel is our head of i t um Nick is our, our technical genius, and he's never served uh, directly in the military, but he served in other governmental capacities so the the core team is how many persons there at Ori uh, four of us, and then um we have a a business advisor that we use from out in Silicon Valley um and a couple of other people marketeers and such that we uh, that we employ to help out with the with the stuff that we aren't as polished at that they are. So we, if we're we good at one thing. It's finding people with the skills we need. Sure. I was building a team.
1: Now, is Nick your quote unquote ethical hacker? And if so, what on earth is an ethical hacker?
0: A certified ethical hacker is a certification that you can get. And basically what you do is you do that penetration testing as if you were a bad guy. So it's a little bit of red team operations against uh, people who ask for those skills. And then you provide a report after the fact that says, hey, yeah, uh, I got in this way. And it helps. They're a security specialist who helps to tighten up uh, company security. And so Nick has a a varied background in uh, ethical hacking. He's worked for several companies out there, been in cybersecurity for 25 years now. So he's well-versed in a lot of, you know, the way the red team, so to speak, thinks about um, how they attack whatever targets that they're designated to attack. So he was doing a lot of work, I'm guessing, with government agencies in that
1: uh, capacity as well.
0: Some uh, commercial agencies, too, commercial corporate partners like HP. And he worked for a company called Rapid7 for a while, which that's their line of business. But, yeah. Uh,
1: Sean, how did you come to join the team at ORE? It seems I don't want to say it's a leap because you were doing a lot of intel and a lot of kind of that sort of work when you were um, on the teams, too.
0: Well, it is it is a bit of a leap for me, to be quite honest with you. Um I was immersed in technology on the teams, uh, and one of my jobs in the military was to to help find new programs and to provide that technology. But Lucas Hamrick and I worked together, actually, on my final assignment in the military. Uh, got to know each other real well. Uh, I was working for another company, and he gave me a call one day and said, hey, I'm, uh, I met this guy, and we decided that we're going to form a company. Would you, would you like to be part of that? And I said, you know what? The uh, lobster doesn't grow until he gets too tight for his shell, so I let that shell go, which was a, actually a job, you know, a dependable job that I had, and kind of ventured out into the entrepreneur world, and that's how I came to be on the team.
1: I don't know if, uh, you know, my initial comments, like I said, when I first saw your, your message about your new video game with Them Front Lines, I was kind of taken back a little bit, so I don't know if that's a um, common response that you get or not, was, am I just... a uh, a little bit different in my, my gut impression at first until I found out more about what your mission is.
0: Um, I don't think you're alone, Ben, to be honest with you. You know, people are curious. They want to know, you know, how you're going to do that. And our goal here is, is not really to talk about how people died. It's to talk mm-hmm. about how they lived and and allow them to tell their stories. You know, we've toyed with the idea of some memorials in the game, and we're still actually considering that because we think it's respectful to do that. Our biggest thing in doing this is we want to do it right because it is a sensitive subject uh, to to a lot of us. You know, I've lost a lot of good friends over the years, whether, you know, to uh, suicide or to service overseas. And so we want to be able to do a couple of things here. We want to be able to tell stories so that it enables others. And we want to expose ourselves a little bit so that others see that it's okay to talk about their problems. And that's that's part of the whole mental health slant this game is really to just reunite with your tribe and to, to start those conversations. Um, I know you know this, Ben, but um, for your listeners out there, you know, you can not talk to somebody in the military for 10 years, and literally, if you can find their phone number, you dial it up. It's like you never lost a day. Sure. And so one of the things for me um, in this project so far is, is to reconnect with my old tribe. That's just been phenomenal.
1: I tell you, we've got to step away for just a couple of minutes, John. We come back. I want to share something. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I've got a Navy SEAL coming up, and I use something called SMEAC to evaluate every program situation, mission, execution, admin, and communication. Think about that. When we come back. We'll talk about your mission. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Bueller Garcia here on American Warrior Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host Ben Bueller Garcia. We're talking with Sean Pietz, who's a former Green Beret. He's the Chief Operating Officer of Ore Systems, based out of I think that's out of San Antonio. Sean. Out of Boston, but I'm down in San Antonio. Okay. Yep. Sean, before I get into the SMEAC acronym, you mentioned that something that's really important and really struck me about your development of this new video game with them Frontlines. So often when I have veterans on the show, particularly the operators, the Special Forces, the Deltas, the the SEALs, the Green Berets, a common theme that I hear all the time is when they separate this very real and discouraging feeling that they've lost their mission and they've lost their tribe. I love the fact that your secondary mission, if you will, with this video game is to allow these warriors to reconnect again and start rebuilding their tribe up again. Am I getting that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great stuff. So uh, I mentioned I've got a Navy SEAL coming up who's been quite a successful entrepreneur himself, and he talked about something they used in the in the SEAL team is called SMEAC S M E A C Situation Mission Execution Admin and Communication. And he proposes that all of us, whether we're on a military mission, if we're developing a business, just in our life, if we use those letters to define what our plan is, that's very helpful. So let's start off with you, Sean, as far as with them front line goes. What's the situation that called for this, and what is your mission with the video game?
0: It's interesting. That acronym is actually the five paragraphs of an operational order, but okay. very very good branding on his part. <laughs> I recognize it clearly. So, situation, we have 22 or more veterans a day taking their own lives in this country, and that's a VA study. But um, other studies, the special operations community, have shown that it's nearly double that. And so, it's personal to me. With the amount of PTSD, TBI, anxiety, and other mental health issues that we have within the community, we felt compelled to try to help in any way possible. And if everything that we're doing saves just one person, then that is worth it to me. That is also our mission, to save as many as we possibly can. Now, it sounds a little counterintuitive, you know, that you should have a first-person shooter game that people are immersed in. But for a lot of us, that's kind of our comfort zone, as you stated earlier. It's a place just to escape for a little bit, and we want it to be a place where you reconnect with those who are like you and understand your situation. That's actually called group therapy. And so as we progress through the building of this game, we actually want there to be therapeutics built into the game. And we're consulting with some psychologists currently who are helping us get that just right. So we'll be able to capture anonymously physiological and potentially even emotional data that we can combine into a data set that researchers can look at on an anonymous basis to be able to find early triggers for suicidal ideation and potential treatments for PTSD, maybe even simple things like tinnitus. If we can have a a tinnitus generator in that headset while you're playing that you can adjust to threshold, we've done good. So something just basically that simple.
1: I tell you, that's what struck me about this game, and again, my initial gut response when I heard you would be using the stories, the missions, if you will, of real operators, and then the images that the characters in the game, the skins, would be these actual persons. I thought, well, that's kind of cool, but ah, it didn't make me feel very comfortable, but that's a cool part of the, quote-unquote, the game part of it, but to me, what's more important is the, and I want to go into this quite a bit, because you'll also be using this as a platform platform. A laboratory is a forum as a studio, if you will, to start gathering this biological data on these veterans with the hope of then that can all be gathered and used as a treatment for PTSD, which is just amazing.
0: Right. And, And wouldn't it be cool to baseline an operator before they're even part of, you know, the military? And so the audience for our game is really that military audience. And we're looking for those 25 to probably 40 year olds. You know, the gaming generation is kind of a harder demographic to reach for a lot of people. It's easy if you're Call of Duty or you're a big game like that that people, you know, play widely. But what kind of separates us from those larger games they don't have any curative nature to what they're doing. And so that's kind of what we're looking for. We're aspiring to be that go-to solution that maybe baselines an operator, tracks him while he's deployed, if he continues to play the game. And then even after he or she leaves the service, the ability to look at that as a data set and just say, okay, this is what we see. Depending on the people who sign up for this thing, meaning if there's government agencies who want to support this initiative, we can very easily make data available that people want available. And so it's going to be basically an opt-in process. We'd love to gather that data anonymously in the background, but sometimes there's people who are triggered and need help. We want to be able to get them the help that they need also.
1: I saw another interview that you and your team did where you're talking about that, about, about resources, making resources available to some of these veterans. Would that, is that going to be in game or just when they sign up the register, then there is a page available where they can find places to get help?
0: Yeah, both. I mean, uh, we're still in the early development of this game. We're, we're kind of in the pre-alpha phase now. So uh, we look for feedback from the community. If somebody says, you know what, it'd be really cool if there was this button in the game. Or, you know, if on a loading screen, if, if I was triggered based on my physiological and emotional data, they would give me a pause for the cause and, and a quick flash up of a resource that I could go to, you know, if I wanted to actually talk to somebody. And that's outside of the game. There's a lot of charitable organizations out there that offer immediate help through multiple communications platforms. And we've had conversations with those organizations, and we'd love to be able to to use all the resources, from what the VA provides on down the line to what uh, the commercial charitable organizations provide also.
1: Sean, I, I want to come back. I want to talk, kind of nerd out a little bit about some of the technical details of this. And just to emphasize, you are in, in pre-development, if that's the correct term for this. When do you expect to roll out the final product and have it available to people?
0: The first-person shooter portion of the game, we're looking to roll out sometime in December. And that's going to be, we'll be past the beta phase and at the commercial production phase by then. But we want to be able to incorporate our audience a little prior to that. We want this kind of to be a, a game that's built by veterans for veterans. And so, you know, we're looking to the Army esports teams and all the service esports teams, actually. Uh, we're looking to the VFW because I think there's a lot of good in connecting the two generations. Um, and I'm considering myself one of the older or mid to older people in that generation now. But the ability I think to bring those people into these veteran service organizations early, I think is key to what we all need. You know, to tell the stories of our heroes, to you know educate the younger generation, and then really just to connect everybody into that tribe that we're we're aspiring to build.
1: Okay, sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn more, visit, and correct me if I'm wrong with this, Sean, but visit withthem.co. Yes, sir. Quick question before we take, we've got to take another break, but right now it appears, at least when one goes to your website, you've got at least three warriors up there that have already signed on whose whose stories will be told and will be part of this game. Are you folks yep. just on the, the global war on terror generation, or has there been some some conversation about integrating the, the Vietnam folks or or maybe, you know, a mission in Panama or something like that.
0: Right. We, we've we kind of focused on the post-Vietnam era, and that's not to slight any of the Vietnam veterans at all. But we feel like there's a lot of, you know, game content centered around uh, the Vietnam era. And what we're trying to do is to kind of tell our own generation's hmm. stories. We There's a lot of really there's heroes in every generation, and we all know that. But so really it's kind of the last 50 years, if you will, that we're kind of focused on. So, sure, Panama, Grenada, you know, Desert One, uh, Desert Storm, et cetera, there's, <laughs> there's plenty to talk about. Um, unfortunately, most of it's in the desert, which makes our job kind of easy because the desert maps are the desert maps. Sure. But, uh, again, what kind of sets us apart is our, our maps are actually geo-rectified uh, to match the ground as closely as they possibly can be. And all that talks, I want to talk
1: more about that because that got me pretty excited. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Ben Bueller garcia here on American Warrior Radio. We're talking with Sean Piaz, who is the Chief Operating Officer of ORE Systems. The game is called With Them Frontlines. We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Buehler-Garcia. We're broadcasting from the 4Patriots Studio, where they champion freedom and self-reliance. Visit 4Patriots.com. That's the numeral 4, the word Patriots.com. And check out their extensive product category, all things that can help give self-reliance to your family, from solar power generators to 25-year shelf life survival food. If you use the code WARRIOR, you get a 10% discount on your first order, no matter what it is. We're speaking with Sean Piaz, who is the Chief Operations Officer of ORE Systems. They're developing a really cool video game. It's a first-person shooter. It's called With Them Frontlines. But what makes this game different is, A, the characters are all real people on real missions. And perhaps more importantly, it will be used as a platform to gather data that hopefully can help us treat PTSD. Sean, you are talking about that aspect of things. So I'm on my computer playing this video game. How are you gathering that biological data, that feedback on that particular player.
0: Well, initially, it'll be a body-worn sensor, like maybe a Fitbit. They have an open API that's actually been approved by DOD for use. And so we figured we would start there. Of course, we're open to other wearables. And as we progress through development, if we find something that's a little better, but really it gathers the physiological data that we need. It'll gather the heart rate. It'll gather uh, the partial pressure of O2, etc., to really kind of hone in on what people are triggered by, right? And so when you're playing the game of something, whatever it is, in that game triggers even the, the physiological response. Will manifest itself in that wearable that'll be paired, you know, with a smartphone app that can potentially have the camera. A lot of people play with cameras on nowadays, but the smartphone app can integrate that same thing. And so I think the beauty is the correlation of those two data sets for researchers to analyze. And if we get a long term data set, it'll help us understand a lot better you know, kind of uh, what triggers people, why they're triggered, you know, what their physiological response might be, how it can be overcome, possible therapeutics built in to address those physiological needs, et cetera. What value can I as a civilian bring to the table, someone who's never had
1: that kind of trauma, who is not experiencing PTSD?
0: Well, the military doesn't have, um, hasn't cornered the market on PTSD, Uh, That same type of trauma exists in many things, whether it's car wrecks or uh, being a victim of a crime or whatever it may be. In the end, ultimately, the front end to this game, I think we can build into whatever it needs to be. Maybe it's solitaire, but once we get the physiological response centered in, there's been some really good research on Alzheimer's recently with sound and light therapy, and potentially, instead of just playing, you know, solitaire, Uh, we got some physiological therapy built into into that game too and so we we chose this first person shooter because uh, really there's an endless supply i think of people who want to tell their stories and who want to be in a video game because it's actually just pretty cool Mm -hmm. and so we started with what we what we think we know and that's the military could this expand to other things in the future sure of course and and maybe it's a first responder game on top of it, or maybe it's uh, a police-integrated type of game. We really don't know where it's going to all end. (laughs) We're just at the beginning of it. So what you're telling me, Sean, is there is a chance, a small
1: chance, that Mm -hmm. a character in one of these games would be an overweight radio host with bad knees?
0: Well, Ben, that's the beauty of being the developer. (laughs) (laughs) We can kind of make you look any way you think you want to look. Sean,
1: I, one of the, obviously the mission of American Warrior Radio is to help communicate these important stories of both our military and first responders. And I love the fact that that's also part of what you're doing. You're giving these, these warriors the chance to share their story. And if I'm not mistaken, again, on your website, when you've got the three individuals for maybe your first three characters, I use the air quotes in the game, but there's also a little, not a bio, but there's a little opportunity for them to tell their story. And that's just, that's so powerful.
0: Right. And and actually, I'll I'll just highlight one of our characters. Um, Mr. Rick Lamb uh, is literally one of my personal heroes. He's a legend in the U.S. SOCOM community. He's been involved in every major conflict for the last 30 years. He's a historian. Uh, I think he's a man's man. He is just one of those people that I idolized and I looked up to since he was, you know, my team sergeant on a team. And uh, when I called Rick, I said, hey, boss, uh, we're, we're building a game, and uh, we'd really like to, to have you in the game as a character. He's like, cool, where do I sign up? <laughs> it was just no questions asked. And I think people will identify with and recognize a legend in the Ranger Battalion throughout Special Forces. Just, uh, just a solid, solid guy. And and you can find Rick on the weekends in World War II garb, reenacting and, and and jumping out of World War II era aircraft with a round parachute. Sometimes even in France itself. Mm. <laughs> so he's just a phenomenal guy, uh, and and he's one of several uh, that we that we've signed up early uh, to to be our guys in this game. And and Rick is uh, he loves to tell stories, and I mean his has good stories. So that's what we try to bring to this thing. And if, if others look at Rick and go, well, listen, if Rick can tell a story, I can sure tell a story. And that's how we start to open up that dialogue. And then we start to share details, you know, that are you kind of in a closed group, but maybe somebody feels exactly like you do. That's the beginnings of that therapy that we're looking for.
1: Is it been? Have all your quote-unquote recruits been that easy,
0: or have you gotten some hang-ups as well? There's hang-ups. You know, people are skeptical. Um, some of this has been tried before in the past and hasn't met with success. But, you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? Sure. And so that's what we're, that's what we're going for. So the, the people that I've talked to are, are actually personal friends of mine. And it, <laughs> the first question they have is, what are you doing involved in video games? <laughs> I say, well, it's a long story. But y- usually it's it's wide open. They're like, yep, I'm in. How can I help? And
1: I tell you, the reason I asked that question, I mean, we've obviously had a lot of uh, just amazing warriors with amazing stories on the show. And if they're hearing this broadcast and and one of our affiliates across the country and they would like to volunteer to get involved, how do they contact you, Sean?
0: You can send me an email. You can sign up on our website. I'll grab your email address there. Um, Or you can send me an email directly. That's spots at or systemcom
1: and the website again is withthem.co co or withthem.net. net. Dot vet. Okay. As you're building this universe, is there a limit to the number of stories you can tell? I mean, is there a you know you get to a thousand characters and your software nerd's head explodes, or you'll you'll <laughs> blow up that bridge when you come to it?
0: Yeah, we'll blow that bridge when we come to it. That would that's a high quality problem. We we look forward to having that problem. <laughs> Sean,
1: you early on the conversation you you talked about how maybe it might be counterintuitive, and I I'm just a dumb civilian. I'm not a physician. I never wore the uniform or you know stepped in the boots, but I can see where going through and replaying if I'm actually the person and I'm replaying that mission that day or several day or hours or whatever it is of trauma, I can see there were that might be a little bit cathartic. But have you talked to your mental health team members and experts about? Is there a a downside to that? Could this maybe trigger something bad?
0: Yeah, it it absolutely could trigger something bad, and that's why we want to have those off-ramps. So often there's a stigma that surrounds PTSD and the ability to self-report, especially amongst our active-duty comrades. It's, you know, sometimes you need to take a knee face out and drink a little water, and unfortunately the stigma exists within the community that if you do that, then you, you do get put on the bench for a while. Uh, in the special operations world, I think that's our biggest fear, you know, whether it's for a hearing test or, or, you know, or anything, nobody wants to be put on the bench. And so we're trying to kind of break that stigma down. Um, there's no changes I think that, that need to happen. And, and like I said before, if we can be just a small part of that solution, that's what we're trying to do. And just to clarify
1: again, your people can register now, even though the software is not complete.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can actually go buy the game now as a pre-sale, and uh, when we go live with it in December, then we'll send you a copy and you can start to play. In the development cycle, there'll be some pre-alpha play. That's really, you know, the, the a team of select people getting in there, working out the bugs, helping us identify and work out the bugs. We can't find everything ourselves. But, you know, hardcore gamers know where those bugs generally are located, and, and all we really need you to do is get in there and play the game and say, yep. That's not good, and we can go great. That narrows our focus down to getting that fixed. So there'll be some pre-alpha play. There'll be some alpha play, and then we'll do pre-beta, beta, and finally a, a production release. Sean, I heard you do an interview. You said, look, it's got to be good. It's got to be Call of Duty good. So when we come
1: back, I want to nerd out and talk a little bit about the actual production uh, design phase of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Ben Buller garcia will be back with more with Sean Pietz to Crown. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Buehler-Garcia. We're talking with Sean Piazza, who's with ORE Systems. They're developing a brand-new first-person shooter video game, and what's really interesting about that is they're using real warriors on real missions in, in the game set itself, but then it's also got another aspect of it where they're going to use it to gather data on what triggers people and hopefully lead to much more um, effective treatment for PTSD. Sean, I'd like to talk a little bit about the the geeky part of this. I've I've got several hundred hours on Call of Duty and and other sorts of games like that. And um, you know, apart from the unlimited ammo cheat, um, you know, pretty pretty good stuff. But you mentioned something earlier in the show about how you're you're developing this, and I think even down to the point of you're using actual satellite images and topographical maps to recreate the locations. Uh, now, every tree might not be in the same place it was, but that's pretty sophisticated.
0: It is pretty sophisticated um and when you when you see the much that were developed, I think you get a feel for it, especially if you were there if you spent time in southern Afghanistan, for instance, um I know even in the in the pre alpha phase, you know running through some of those much as <laughs> for me, it's like, okay, well, I remember that place. it just kind of feels like that, and so we're trying to make this. You know, 8K resolution, um, we're using software from Unity and, and Real Illusion, the character creator, to to really kind of drill down on the specifics for these characters themselves, because they are real people. Are we going to get, you know, 100% accurate rendition? No, but we're going to get as close as we possibly can. That's what we we think we owe these guys. And, you know, when, in any first-person shooter, uh, you can look in them, obviously, the first-person mode, the third-person and then you'll see what the character actually looks like. But most of the time in that first-person shooter mode, it's, you know, it's you You know who you are, uh, but others will see you. So it's yeah. kind of cool. What about sounds? How, how are you going to replicate
1: an AK or an IED or something like that?
0: You know, a lot of that is, is built into the gaming engine already. Uh, some of it, you know, again, this is where we tend to pick nips about, you know, things like what does it really sound like? Um, We'll have to end up getting into a sound studio and recreating some of those sounds. Um, we've got a connection uh, who I was introduced uh, to through Heroes Link, actually, um, who is a, a Hollywood producer and, and in fact, an actor. And he has access to some of that equipment also. He has some friends up in Las Vegas who have access to some of that who who uh, might be able to help us out a little bit when it comes to the reality of the sound et cetera. Eventually,
1: as I understand it, it's going to go from a a single-player first-person shooter to a multiplayer online platform, so we'll have teams. And I'm just kind of curious about how you want it to be accurate, you want it to feel accurate, but it's an open world, I'm guessing. And so there are decisions that the players as the characters will have to make that might, and there's consequences to those decisions, right? I mean, it might be... Um here's what the actual person did, but if you do something different, the outcome's going to be different. So it's not it's not a linear progression that replicates the success or failure I suppose of the original mission.
0: The the real accurate part that we're trying to stick to is actually in the campaign mode. The first person multiplayer online uh, is very similar to what you'd find in in Call of Duty. Uh you know, except you can be you, which is actually pretty cool. And so as it progresses through the campaign mode, that's where we want to try to be the most accurate. There's several styles of play and I'm sure uh, a, a good share of your audience is familiar with those. You know, the round robins, the you know, us against you kind of stuff to capture the flag. We're gonna have that type of gameplay too. It, it first has to be fun to play. What we're what we're aiming for there is to build a good audience and following and then have them opt in to um to the data portion of it. So that so that we have a good Set of dependable players uh, and we grow the audience organically, nobody likes a government solution. I'll just say that out loud uh, because oftentimes it's just one of those stigmas, right? Oh, it came from the government. Well, in the, in the end, we would love for it to come from the government, but we want you to be on board with that solution prior to it being you know, shoved down your throat, so to speak. Sean, i tell you what, I'm excited about this. I, I
1: love the concept. I love the, what you're doing. I love the fact that A portion of the proceeds will be donated to veterans' charities. Uh, One other quick software question, and then I want to talk a little bit about the Special Operations Solution Fund. Will some of the players have admin credentials, or will you be monitoring this? Because I can see some 12-year-old in their mom's basement deciding that they're going to just completely discard their moral compass, and they're going to shoot the dog, or they're going to blow up the family house, or just do... Dumb stuff that's really going to alter the the medical, I
0: guess, <laughs> purpose of the game, and 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 that's part of the audience application. Um, it's kind of a two faced thing. We're we're looking for that application to be for our military audience, so that's obviously eighteen and older, mm-hmm. and then we'll limit the gameplay to not the younger audience. You know, in the end, that might narrow our market a little bit, but uh, we're not trying to market violence to kids. Um, We're we're trying to let our audience receive the therapy that they need. So, you know, if it's, to me, honestly, you know, money's not everything. You have to do right by your population and by your community that you're trying to help. And so that's how we're going to focus.
1: Sean, you're a board member of the Special Operations Solutions Fund. Folks can learn more at sos-f.org. Tell us about them and what they do.
0: So, SOSF. Uh, Our charter is immediate needs of SOCOM members and their affiliations, meaning if you've ever been attached to US SOCOM. If you need our help, just ring us up on the site, and uh, we try to respond within two hours or less. Uh, There's a lot of other charities out there that do great work with rehabilitation and with, um, you know, like Patriot Hunts is a great one, and, and there's several other organizations, the Green Beret Foundation, et cetera, that do really good work for people. Our niche for SLSF is really about filling and addressing those immediate needs. My favorite example is, you know, the soldier soldier is in Walter Reed, he gets medevaced from theater, whatever the case is, and Mama just can't seem to find the money to go, you know, see her soldier. That's an immediate need; it needs to be acted on rapidly, and that's what we do. We'll get you a rental car, we'll get you an airplane ticket, we'll get you a hotel, and we'll make sure that you get linked up with your soldier. As an example.
1: Well, you did your research, buddy. I, you know, the Green Bay Foundation is near and dear to my heart. So, thanks for that. Listen, just a couple of minutes left, Sean. You're in uh, right now. Everybody can get involved in this. You've got an Indiegogo campaign. What? Where can people find that?
0: Our, our Indiegogo campaign uh, recently closed, but if oh. you want to go pre-buy the game, you can do it directly on our website. Um, we're not completely closed on the Indiegogo. I'll get to the link here real quick. It's actually, and is, it's igg.me slash at slash WTF Frontlines. If you go to Indiegogo and just type in WTF Frontlines, you'll find our Indiegogo campaign still up there. Okay. Uh, you can donate directly to that campaign or you can select to, you know, receive one of the levels of uh, of incentives. So is it too late for me to get in on the
1: weekends with the Warriors program? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. You want to jump in on it, we'll make it happen for you. You can definitely come hang out with us, Ben, and and we'll make sure that you have a good time. Well, tell folks what that's about. Uh, So that's, uh, again, our game characters. And and what that is, the Weekend with the Warriors, is um, if if you choose to uh, contribute that level, then we will bring you down here to a yet undisclosed location in Texas. We will take you to a range. We will introduce you to some of the firearms that we eventually use in the Special Forces world. Uh, We'll feed you a good meal. Uh, we'll tell you some lies, <laughs> maybe, maybe give you uh, maybe give you an adult beverage, and then we'll send you packing on the airplane a day later. Oh, sounds like a kick in the pants to me, brother. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it for a radio host who's overweight with bad knees. That's okay. Uh, I resemble that remark myself, other than the radio host. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, it's been a real pleasure
1: having you on today on American Warrior Radio. Again, folks, visit withthem.co or just Google with them frontlines. It's a great, great, and honestly, I, I might be exhibiting my age here, Sean, but I find this just completely revolutionary. And I was not convinced at first, but boy, I'm I'm on board now, man. <laughs> well, great. We'd we love to have you, Ben. You can be looking for your free copy when the game comes up. Oh, no, it's okay. I, I can pay money. It goes to a good cause. All right, just about 30 seconds left, Sean. Any last minute thoughts for our listeners?
0: Yeah, uh, for your listeners out there, uh, in this great radio channel, I would just say, you know, check on your friends, reach out to your tribe. It's all about taking care of one another and being a good human being. And, and I think, like I said before, if we can save just one, you know, if there are any of the efforts that we're currently involved with, with, with them or systems, then, then it's all worth it to us. So keep on listening, uh, support, uh, for Patriots, uh, and come check out with them front lines. Sean Piotz, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated.
1: Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can find over 500 podcasts of this program and others at AmericanWarriorRadio.com. We're on all your favorite streaming platforms, wherever it might be, you can find us. And please share these important messages. Until next time, all policies and procedures are to remain in place. Take care.
0: Listening to American Warrior Radio. Archived episodes may be found at AmericanWarriorRadio.com or your favorite podcast platform.